Jaspreet Bopperai and Don Nicholson with Greenwashed on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back to RCR Greenwashed listeners. You're with Jaspreet and Don, and uh, we thought today we'd check in with West Australia and our mate over there called Tony Seabrook, the president of the Pastoralist and Graziers Association, and see how West Australia looks. I mean, we see what Australia looks like in terms of a voice, but you know, I want to know what spring's looking like down on the farm in York. Tony, what's it looking like? Oh, uh, Don, right down near the coast, the deep great south, the great southern. It got a bit wet there for a lot of people, and, and and some are having a fairly good season, but most aren't. The top end of our wheat belt burned off badly. The wheat crops are not harvested. Uh, we've had hot, dry weather now for probably three weeks. Uh, not a great way to finish. It's taken a lot of yield off crops uh, throughout a large part of the state. Uh, we're okay, but what could have been a really top season isn't going to be anymore, to average if we're lucky. Um, the pastoral area, dry. Um, Kimberley's okay. But all, all around, uh, El Nino's sort of kicking in and the whole state just kind of fell in a hole at the very end. Isn't it interesting how weather is the great leveller down on the farm and uh, it happens everywhere in the world, but um, we've got politicians that think they can legislate and change the weather. So, you know, that's what we're up against as well. Hey, um, so tell me about the live shipment issue that you've got over there. I read that in the headlines. It still looks pretty tenuous. Uh, the price for animals, the um, some farmers perhaps slaughtering them on the farm rather than letting them go because they're valueless. Is that yeah. is that a reality? Don, it's, it's just as serious as you say, perhaps even more so. Uh, we're lucky that it has been a reasonable sort of finish, especially with the livestock being carried. Live exports are operating, but they're operating under a cloud. Uh, there's enormous potential in the Gulf with Saudi Arabia to take more stock, but we're really getting the runaround by the federal government. There's a great sense of, of uh, despair, certainly on the sheep industry, that the destruction of stock has started. Um, some people are advertising, you know, lambs, come and get them, you can have them. Um, you know, the, wow. the, the, there are a lot of stock that if you send them to, to auction, you wouldn't get back the cost of the freight. So it's the people holding back. So there's a great sense of gloom. And the, co- the the major issue, aside from the uh, live export issue, is the lack of processing capacity in West Australia. You just are so reliant on the live export trade to to take up what processing couldn't do. Couldn't. Well, we, uh, we've got an avatar down there, Esperance Shark Lake, that closed a little yep. while ago. Oh. So in actual fact, um, most of the abs are working at pretty full, well full capacity, but they can't handle it. And look, as any producer would know, the difference between a mild undersupply and a mild oversupply isn't a lot in numbers, but my God, it's a lot in price. Yeah. Um, you know, the, people are giving up. You know, a lot of people, you know, they've stuck with this for a long time, but they're just simply going to say, we're done here. You know, this has been too hard for too long. And with live export shutting down or potentially shutting down in the near future, we're kind of done here. We're, we're sick of it. And I saw a headline that said the state was going to fund a bit of mental health um, uh, uh, work with with farmers affected. I mean, that what does that fix, Tony? What does it fix? Well, look, I, I, didn't that hook up with the department? Uh, we've had two so far. They're trying to find relevance. They're trying to find some of the things they can do, and there's, there's not a lot they can do. But when when you're reaching out to farmers on mental health issues, it's bloody serious. Mm. Um, We've had a fairly good run of wheat seasons, and most wheat growers are a bit, a bit, they're hurt by a bad season, but they know they've had a good run and, and, and they've got a bit of padding there. But when a farmer um, has to take his rifle up to the sheepyards and start shooting sheep that he's bred, and quite often they'll be older ewes that have you know, done a great job for you know, that, that fellow in their time, 
uh, you know, metal pressure. No one likes shooting sheep. And, uh, you know, you've got a rifle in your hand, you're on your own. It's a lonely situation. You're doing a, a job you don't want to do. Um, you know, mental health is a subject people talk big, about today, but it's always there. Big issue. 1986 in New Zealand, we had similar problems where uh, sheep weren't worth, old ewes weren't worth a damn thing. And um, there was a, actually a slaughter in the main street of my city uh, to, 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 to show the country that we mean business. Um, it's, it's tough down inside the farm gate, but that's the gaming that was going on then. And it's sad to hear that it's still going on in, today in West Australia. Mm. So well, there are two farm organisations over here, and the other one, W Farmers Federation, is headed up by a fellow called John Hassel. John and I get on really well together. Uh, I crafted a letter about a week ago uh, addressed to all of the federal parliamentarians from Western Australia. John signed it. Uh, the Minister of Agriculture was asked if she'd sign it. She wouldn't. Um, and I consider that to be a, a great breach of faith that she wouldn't do that. But the letter has just asked for a meeting with all of our federal parliamentarians uh, in their own time, in their own offices here in the West, and, and to discuss what the issues are in the in the hope that they might prevail upon not the minister but Murray Watt, uh, the lawyer from Brisbane, um, he's not our target. The target is the inner sanctum of the Labor Party, and, and if we can have a, a, an amicable meeting with these people, we'll do that. But if we're not getting on, if it's not working, okay, guys, here's the deal: you want to shut us down? Well, then all we can do is shut you down. We will target the seats that are the most vulnerable in the best way we possibly can. If we can take one, two, maybe three Labor seats out of Western Australia in the lead up to the next federal election, you guys are going to be in trouble. So if you want to play dirty, uh, and, and if that's the only alternative we've got, that's what we'll do. Good work. Keep, keep, on, keep the pressure up. That's that's what we're missing in this country from the farming lobbies, real pressure. Yeah. Uh, anyway. And another thing, uh, Tony, most of the articles that I see here for from for you guys, they also seem to begin with the fact that oh, Australia has increased its sheep flock, and that's the bigger reason for the whole glut. They're saying that from twenty twenty, oh, it's look. increased by twenty five percent. Literally every single article. Why is that? Look, we're nowhere near where we were before. Mm. We peaked out in the early nineteen uh, nineties, and I think mm. thirty eight million sheep. We're now down to about twelve and a half, maybe thirteen million sheep. So we're about a mm. third of where we were before. Mm. Um, what did happen with the big drought in the eastern states was that we had to restock over there. So one and a half million sheep ewes left Western Australia heading east after mm. the drought had broken. So we repopulated the, the flock over there. Sure. There's no doubt about a farm. You give me one blade of green grass, you buy two sheep to put on it. Totally. And, and good seasons, you build your numbers up and then this happens and, and all of a sudden you've got to get rid of them. But the Australian sheep flock, um, I don't know the total number, but certainly in Western Australia, we're down to about a third of where we were at the peak. I can tell you, New Zealand used to have 70 million sheep around 1980, uh, 82. We're now down to um, probably 20 to 24 million. Um, but, you know, it's perhaps been replaced by dairying um, and also cropping and vegetables. Uh, and also forestry under an emissions trading scheme has taken yeah. quite a significant chunk out. But anyway, let's move on to the big thing that we talked about last time. I mean, New Zealand has a similar concept uh, to your Aboriginal Cultural and Heritage Act um, called SASM, so sites and areas of significance to Maori. But um, so we've got some similarity. But when we last spoke, you were putting the wood on uh, on your gut, on your parliament to uh, rescind that legislation. And it looked like in the media that was the case. Um, what's happened since? We gather it's been a little, there's been a bit of timidness from your state premier. 
Look, we, we got the government on the run, and I really seriously mean that. Um, they were in a spot of bother. We had no idea how close to any backdown they really were. Um, Minister Booty, uh, who had charge of that bill, rang me up on, on a Monday night say, well, look, if I do this and this, how about you guys, you know, we don't come across. And I think John Hassel, the other guy, WF Farmers Federation, might actually have sort of acquiesced to some of the things that, that they were demanding. I just said to Tony Booty, look, mate, we're not up for it. No, not going to happen. Either we'll, we'll win or lose, but we're not compromising. And about 10 o'clock next morning, the state premier uh, announced, okay, it's finished, done, bad piece of legislation, should never have done it, bridge too far. He said all of the things we'd been saying right up until that mm -hmm. point. And so there was the withdrawal of, of or the intention to withdraw the act. Now, it hasn't happened. You know, that was back in August. It hasn't happened. This is still the law of the land. Now, they've agreed to revert back to an old act of 1972 with a few modifications. Now, they could have withdrawn the new the, the new act, withdrawn on the spot, reverted back to the 72, then worked their way through the modifications and, and amendments to the 72 act and passed them through Parliament. What they've cunningly done is say, well, we're not going to withdraw the old act until we've got all the amendments in place and we'll do it all at the same time. I consider that a breach of faith. You know, it wasn't. Yeah, it's a breach of faith. And 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 so when they haven't withdrawn that, that act is now in operation and you try, you breach any of that act and you are in breach of the law. Mm. They could have a crack at you. The, the, yep. the larks as they had these consultative yep. groups, that, yep. That, yep. That, that, that's fallen apart. But realistically, uh, the law that they passed on the 1st of July is the law of the land and you could actually be held in breach of that law until the new act or the act, the, the revised one, comes into play sometime in the not too far distant future. Um, the cynics amongst us had a very strong belief that they might be watching what happened with the voice referendum to see whether they could sort of tweak it a bit more or give it a bit of a, a, bit of a shunt their way. Uh, I think that probably now they... If they haven't got the message now, they never will. Mm. Um, so Minister Booty rang me a few days ago and, and I just simply said to him, if you maintain the good faith, if you if this has integrity and is your intention to follow through on the agreement that you, you made with us, then we won't have a problem. But don't duff around with it, otherwise the fight will be on again. They, I don't know how they even get started with stuff like this. At the point where everyone is suffering economically, they come up with a solution looking for a problem, or should I say a bureaucracy looking for a job. We have the exact same thing. We are at this point, I believe, Don, uh, the latest uh, World Bank ratings, we are in the bottom, towards the very bottom of 160 countries. And we have the governments at the same point putting on such legislation, as Don mentioned, sites and areas of significance to Maori. Again, it is just worded like you guys over there. If you are opposed to it, you're racist. That's that's a foregiven conclusion. <laughs> and uh, God knows where the private property rights go in, in all of this. Well, Jesper, the, the first thing is they don't like us. You know, mm -hmm. Labor, socialism, they don't like free enterprise. They don't like what we do. And they'll give us a haircut at every turn if they possibly can. That, that's just in their nature. They, they just can't help it. They don't understand the whole concept of wealth creation. Um, they certainly think that it comes to us far too easily and it's their, their job to give themselves a greater share of it, given half an opportunity. So I, I sort of look at this this phrase that we have, the Minister for Agriculture, the State Federal for Agriculture. Damn it, I can't think of a single minister in the last 20 or 30 years that was for agriculture. They come into these positions with, with a goddamn agenda and, and, and we spend most of our time not working with them but fighting the bastards. And it just... 
it beggars belief that, that we can't have a, a constructive conversation with them to do things good for our industry rather than having to defend ourselves against every wonky idea that they come up with. Yeah, they put put both hands in as as far in your pockets as they possibly can, and uh, if it comes out with nothing, they still dig deeper, looking for something more, don't they? It's like they they have a credit card in each pocket and in each hand, and they want to max it out. It's incredible, but same Don, so, same, some work, same, yeah. same issue, different place. Yeah, look, some work done here a while ago indicated that with all the welfare handouts that go to the average taxpayer. Uh, nearly, nearly 50, 48.5% of the population pay no net tax. They get back in all of the, the little perks and kickbacks and things, you know, almost as much, or as much tax as they pay. Then you come down to the, the person like myself and the ones I represent. Now, we are taxed at whatever the rate is on the day and, and you go, oh, I don't like that very much. It might be a third of your income or a bit more, depending. Then you sit down and you say, hang on a second, I'm paying GST as well. And, 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 I bought a couple of vehicles during the, the year and we pay stamp duty, 5% stamp duty. So there's another tax. And then there's the rates, the rates on your farmland. And I was told a few minutes ago that our rates went up 18% this year, which is not quite inflation. It's more like bloody empire building. <laughs> and so you start adding them all up with a GST and a stamp duty and payroll tax. And, and then you begin to think to yourself, oh, I'm not even getting half of this, not even half of it. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's endless. Uh, Tony, what would be your view? Uh, hopefully, by the time you know the dust settles, the voice referendum is a thing of the past. 350, 360 million, something like that, spent on uh, pushing the yes vote. What sort of ramifications do you think this should have on the politicians, the ones who very openly were in favor of this whole divide and rule agenda, mm -hmm. as I see it? Look, I, I suggested about six weeks ago that we ought to call this thing off and we should have a Royal Commission. End of story. We should have a Royal Commission. Uh, there's $100 million a day, a day, being spent on this industry. Now, the Aboriginal population, uh, by self-definition, is about 3.2% of the entire population. Now, not all of those are in desperate circumstances, you know, mm. if even half. A lot of them have got good jobs and live in the cities and, and don't need the help. When you start to work out $100 million a day, $38 billion a year for what we're getting. There are communities in the middle of Australia that don't even speak English. They don't have any, they, don't, they didn't even know about the referendum. It's just to me absolutely bloody reprehensible that that amount of money can disappear for the, the, the pitiful result we're getting. So somehow or another, we need to sort out where the money's going to. But you, you see that figure of 360 million, someone said 400 million, it's academic. This is down the drain. Just wasted. And then, then you've got all these Labor politicians flying all over the countryside and going out to the Northern Territory and living out on country. And I'd suggest that probably it's a lot more than the figure. Then there's the distraction. Our country has not been well governed when this, this has been going on because these people have been absolutely committed to carrying the day here. So you know, the figure you suggested is probably a very, very small part well, of the overall cost. I have, I have no yeah. doubt. I even yeah. saw a small pamphlet somewhere in uh, on Facebook coming through my feed, which were obviously meant for children. How to talk to your dad about the voice, about voting in the voice. Oh, they they I, left nobody untouched, did they? No, I wonder no, what sort of no. brainwashing went on in schools during this time. 
Well, look, the ABC is surreptitiously gunning for me at the moment. Um, I'm not, I can't get my finger on it entirely, but a little journalist uh, rang up and asked some questions and I thought about it afterwards. So then I rang her boss and I said, what's going on? Who wrote those questions? They are having a bit of a crack because they don't like anyone turning the heat up on mm. the ABC. But the panels, you know, honestly, you, you think that the Indigenous population of Australia is 50-50. Um, they can't help themselves. Night after night, people are tuning off the ABC, bolted on genuine ABC viewers who have been lifetime committed to the ABC are absolutely furious at what that broadcasting corporation has done. Impartial has no part to play in this. They've been so biased and so bound up in, in pursuing the case here. Um, and even now, I just watch until we start the interview here, and the lamenting that's going on, lamenting, not reporting what happened, the lamenting <laughs> of what's happened. Guys, you're the ABC. The public funding goes into this thing. You don't have a right to form public opinion. You're supposed to report on the news. Not, not, you're not a propaganda organisation. Stop it. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I note Rowan Dean on um, on Outsiders always talks about effectively defunding the ABC of the billion dollars a year that they get because of their uh, one-sided one uh, reporting. It's interesting, uh, you know, the, the censorship and the free speech laws that we're um, – yeah, that they were trying to put in to our uh, regulations would effectively put the wood on people on on, on organisations like Reality Check Radio. Serious stuff happening. So I hope you guys push back hard on this stuff because we're going to have to push back hard here. Even though we now have a change of government, uh, it's about keeping the foot on um, the the throat because effectively the change of government, mm, the deck chairs might have shifted in the parliament, yeah. but they haven't shifted in the bureaucracy. bureaucracy so so yep. there's, there's a question that you can ask at this particular junction, and, and that is that when I stand up and say you're biased, no, we're not. No, no, we, 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 we do surveys and we're not biased. Okay, I can tell you every journalist I know on the ABC who leans left, you, you can tell by the questions they ask and their demeanour, you know you're leaning left. Tell me one, just tell me one person you've got there in the ABC, this, this public broadcasting organisation, that actually leans right. You know, mm. biased, biased to the same extent you're biased left, biased to the, even one. And, and I don't know of any. They're, they're very careful to either sit in the centre and not let on they lean left or they just plain lean left. Yeah, I've got that here in spades too. And, in fact, um, yeah, the result of the election at the weekend uh, six or eight weeks ago was going to be considered you know, pretty much dominated by two parties, ACT and National, and it would have been a centre-right government, and it still is. But uh, what happened there, you could detect that mainstream media, the leftist mainstream media, wanted it um, sort of they wanted the, to get in the game because they were worried that the centre-right government would be all too powerful. So what they did is they gave a lot of time to a centrist party called uh, New Zealand First. And so what's happened is they've taken the edge off those uh, centre and centre-right parties and sort of the dominance of those parties has been reduced. Yeah, Thank, yeah. Thanks yeah. thanks to mainstream media's agenda to try and pull us back to the left. Now, it worked. They did the job. But, you know, New Zealanders, I see it. I hope other New Zealanders have seen it. Anyway, let's get back onto Western Australia and, and what's happening in, um, well, a couple of things. Let's finish that. That Should, should um, uh, uh, Prime Minister Albanese resign after the voice uh, fiasco? 
Well, look, people, are, they tend to hang on for a bit longer than they should. We've had a situation with the chairman of the Qantas board toughing it out and toughing it out and toughing it out. <laughs> In the end, uh, he resigned conditionally at the end of next year. Mate, just bugger off. You know, you got it wrong um, and get me gone from here. I'm with, uh, with, he get- with Shakespeare. Is he, going to pay, is he going to pay the ex-CEO's um, bonus as on the way out? Well, <laughs> that, that's interesting. But, you know, I, I'd consider that our Prime Minister ought to give very serious thought as to what he might do into the future because, mate, you attach everything, your whole self, to this in a most unflattering way. Uh, the last few days, almost begging people uh, to vote. And, and the, the things he said... Uh, it's just a minor thing and it won't make any difference and it's a good thing to do and if you're a mean-spirited person, you won't vote for it. But if you're a genuine, decent person, you, he demeaned himself and there's so much of him wrapped up in this. Um, I, no. I, I, he, I, he's in very deep water here and, and uh, if he just thinks he can move on, there'd be a lot of people thinking that, mate, this, this is something that a, a more prominent, decent person would say, I resign. No, I, I doubt Australians are going to forget this in a hurry. And the no, fact remains, no. these these guys are supposed to represent the public opinion, not try to not mold to the it. opinion. <laughs> and that's what they seem to be doing all along. And I, I often, as many times I was listening to your politicians, especially Albanese, it was like, it is demeaning of a person holding the position of a prime minister. I'm glad you said it that way, because that, that, that that's how I saw it. To mm. me, he was, he was flogging it. He was flogging it. Yeah, but, and I I yeah. saw our uh, XPM Jacindard and Beeman, you know, over these last few days over the election hearing, and please vote for Labour and this and that. And I'm like, God, give it a rest. Give it a rest. Yeah. Well, she, yeah. she, she was lucky she didn't <laughs> stick around because in, in her own electorate, uh, they got gassed and they got taken out. So, um, yeah. uh, you know, she was not popular within her own old electorate. But on the That's damage right. that she did to your country, the, the, the smiling Jacinta, the That's smiling, it. lovely Jacinta, um, uh, creating chaos and, and mischief you know, wherever she went. We were watching. We, we knew what was going on. Um, absolutely. So, um, yeah. you know, yeah. Anyway, look, where we are here in Australia today, um, the Labor Party is bereft of the sort of people that, that might lead it. Statesmen are pretty rare and hard to find, and, and I'm afraid that the, the fork in the road where our current Prime Minister might have been a statesman, he took the wrong turn. Mm-hmm. Hey, so look, let's move on to um, the, the uh, Pastoralist and Graziers Association Convention. What uh, what uh, pearls of wisdom did you learn uh, in, that, in that convention a couple of weeks ago? Well, look, uh, Peter Dutton, possibly the next Prime Minister of Australia, um, you know, he would make a good leader. There's no doubt about it. He's all over the issues. He's a big man, magnanimous in the way he looks at the world. Um, and, and it was a pleasure having him uh, open our convention. Uh, he's a friend of the association. And, and you know, he, I said to him, look, it's a privilege to have you here. And he said to me, no, it's a privilege to be here. It's a privilege to be in front of your organisation to be here. Um, the The... Issue with Warren Mundine was a bit of a late starter. I've been trying to get either he or Jacinta you know, for many, many months, and, and they've been very busy people. But he he said, "Look, I, I'll I'll definitely be there for sure." He is a very deep thinking man, uh, massive generosity of spirit, a very clear understanding of the issues confronting his people, with some fantastic solutions uh, as to what might be done. 
The problem he's got is that the elites within the Aboriginal industry uh, don't want to hear what he's got to say because their, their whole future is dependent upon the, the misery and the discontent continuing, and mm. a resolution would put him out of a job. But Warren quite simply says that welfare is not the way to do this. Welfare has caused most of the problems. It's a tough love thing. Um, these kids have to be got off welfare. The whole the whole population of Australia is living on welfare has to be got off welfare and has to be got into mainstream Australia. And as Gary John said, you know, just drop the culture and get a trade. And when I see the kids rioting in the jails, uh, drugs are probably a large part of it, but jailing these Aboriginal kids, that, that's the result of, of a very poor upbringing. But if the elders don't want white people to tell them what to do and to intercede, and they obviously don't, well, then come on, guys, get yourselves together and get these kids into school. Get them to school. For God's sake, get them an education, because with that, you can then go and get a trade. And once you've got a trade, you can go anywhere in the world, anywhere anywhere you like, a chippy or a mechanic, a welder, electrician, you've got to get a trade. And, and these Indigenous kids, you know, this living on country, that is just a recipe for the continuation on of the bloody misery. You know, they've got yeah. to be got off their country and into a trade. And, and look, I... I won't forget the expose on Sky News a few weeks ago where Jacinta Price went out to see her, um, her where her family live and where her grandmother lives. She couldn't get into um, her own village effectively. And then they showed photos of the damage someone, some crim had done or some nasty person had done to, the, to her grandmother, beaten her up. It was just horrible. Now, that's one side of the, the ledger, but that sits with me out of that expose. But on the other side of it, I saw Aboriginal leaders in some communities managing their young people beautifully, just everything going fine and swimmingly without the state necessarily being all over them. And so if some can do it, why can't they all? And, uh, and look, that's exactly what Warren was saying. There is a way forward here, um, but the $100 million a day that's being spent must be spent in the wrong wrong world in the wrong place because you know this can yeah. be done so you asked me the question about the convention it was a real pleasure to have warren there um i i really hope that he he finds himself in a position uh where he has more influence he has made a personal commitment so far beyond what what ordinary people um would expect and uh, i i i made a i gave a quote uh at the end of his little presentation on the day and it goes back to 1940 uh, and the Battle of Britain and uh, the fighter pilots that saved Great Britain in, in what's now referred to as the Battle of Britain fought in the air, but if they hadn't won that one, then the Germans would have invaded Great Britain. So this this was a battle of the absolute utmost importance and they won it. And Churchill stood up in the parliament and said, never in the annals of history has so much been owed by so many to so it's few. So, few. Mm. so I altered that and I said, if we carry the day here, Never before in the annals of Australian history will so much have been owed by so many to, to just two. <laughs> oh, clever. Very good. Uh, well, you know, there's a lot we could uh, talk about on all. There's a lot of things we could talk about over and above what we've talked about today. But, um, Tony, we need to let you move on and uh, we'll move on and continue our show. But it's as as usual. Pleasure to have had you on. Uh, we do want to get the regular updates from West Australia. So, um, look, hopefully you'll come back on in a few months' time. Oh, Don, any time, mate. Look, any time at all. It's always good fun talking to you guys. And and I get sort of replies and emails and things from over there directly to me. And, and so there are people watching and listening, and it's, it's very gratifying. 
And and I did um I didn't back that horse at York Racecourse the other night. I didn't. Her name was um her name was Misintention. And I thought, well, that was an omen, a bad omen name to to begin with. So I didn't back her. But I'm I'm sure um I'm sure people in York enjoyed their race day out. So oh, I, I didn't tell you the whole story here either. I've I've seen our titles. Those blasted racehorses kept this farm mortgaged and mortgaged and remortgaged. <laughs> my my grandfather couldn't leave it alone. <laughs> that sounds a bit like you done. Uh, it's a sport of kings and paupers. Uh, there you go. <laughs> no, all good, Tony. Thanks for coming back on Radio, Reality Check Radio. Yeah, Thank you. Jaspreet Bopperai and Don Nicholson with Greenwashed on RCR, Reality Check Radio.